All right, we are back for the Week 15 preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I'm Ethan Weiss, and I'm joined here today by a very special guest, Jonah Weiss. Jonah, we just got back from Vegas, saw an absolutely thrilling win as the Wildcats beat the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, How did you enjoy your time in, in Vegas? You know, really couldn't have asked for much more. Uh, first off, the, those U of A uniforms, we need to make those the defaults immediately. Uh, been wanting those to be our defaults since we got rid of them last. That was great. And winning the game was awesome. Tommy Lloyd, shout out, just absolutely scheming them up and put up a ton of points. And team looked great. It was a, it was a good victory and looking forward to uh, this weekend's matchup versus Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's been uh, been tough so far. Uh, shout out to uh, Mark Titus for uh, calling Tennessee potentially the number one team in the country. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll take that chip on our shoulder as we head down to Tucson this weekend uh, for that game. But, you know, enough about college basketball here. Let's move on to, you know, what, what we're really here to talk about, which is the NFL. And before we dive in to the week, week 15 preview, just a quick reminder to head on over to sporting-intelligence.com. And sign up and subscribe to get access to our matchup analysis and player stats dashboards that show clean, concise matchup data for the you know week, whatever it is in the NFL uh, games, and and lets you see where each team may have an advantage in their matchup, and and help you beat the books, win your fantasy matchup, win your daily fantasy pool, whatever it may be for that week. So head on over to sporting-intelligence.com. The dashboards will be free for the remainder of the season. Also follow us on Twitter at sport, I-N-T-E-L-L-G-N-C-E. You can find a lot of uh, good information there as well as uh, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which is released every Friday morning. Great data visualizations and matchup analysis contained in that. So Jonah, you are you know one of the loyal listeners and I know you know the uh, flowers at the beginning of the show so we will start with flowers again for those who are new flowers are where we give our praise to you know a, a, a unit a coach a player a team whatever it may be from the previous week so jonah where are your uh, week 14 flowers going yeah you know I, I was trying to decide where i wanted to go with this and i thought brock purdy was a little like too obvious i don't even want to like talk about that guy he was just awesome uh what he did to tom brady uh I'm going to go with uh, the Panthers. Went into Lumen Field, picked up a huge win on the road in Seattle, uh, specifically the Panthers' O-line and run game. Um, I'm going to start this off by saying that the Seahawks' run defense is bad. Like They're ranked 31st in the league in opponents' yards per, per uh, rush, rushing yards per game. However, the Panthers traded away Christian McCaffrey earlier this year and Chuba Hubbard and Deonta Foreman both had 74 yards each. The team averaged 4.84 yards per carry. They were getting the ball to Blackshear, Chenault. They should use Chenault as a running back a lot more, by the way. He's a weapon. He was awesome at Boulder. I want to see more Chenault action. Is he the next uh, Is he the next L. Patterson coming on here? Like, I want him to be somewhere in between Cordero Patterson and Debo Samuel. That's probably, like, very wishful thinking. But the guy's got talent, and he was stuck in Urban Myers, Jacksonville and glad they freed him. And Carolina's an interesting team. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk about them too much, but I got to give credit to Steve Wilkes. Uh, for us Cardinals fans, we remember the how bad that year was with Steve Wilkes. I never would have thought that that guy would have any more success in the league. But credit to where credit's due. And... Ben McAdoo is their offensive coordinator. If you would have told me the two worst head coaches four years ago in the league, I would have told you it was Steve Wilkes and Ben McAdoo. But they've led this team to four and four since uh, Matt Rule got canned, and they're right there in the playoff picture in the brutal NFC South. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do the rest of the way. Uh, they have Tampa Bay Week 17 uh, in Tampa. That game could decide the division. Uh, I have a big eye on that one. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Panthers. I, I like what they're doing, and uh, I think the next coach that comes in there, uh, has they've laid a good foundation for him. I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, people forget um, the Panthers are one game out from the Bucks for the, the NFC South division lead, and, and that would put them in the playoffs for some reason. So, uh, you know, good, good on the Panthers. Uh, Seattle, 
as everybody knows, as everybody loves to talk about, not an easy place to win. So going on the road there, getting a win is uh, is very big. And yeah, Brock Purdy, honorable mention here. Um, but my flowers this week are going to go to the Los Angeles Chargers secondary. Um, they, you know, last week, Sunday night football, prime time, uh, facing the Miami Dolphins, statistically one of the best passing offenses in the NFL, ranking second in pass yards per game, first in yards per attempt, first in explosive uh, explosive pass plays heading into week 14. Um, and, you know, you look at this matchup and you think, okay, the Chargers secondary ha- has been fine. They've been okay. Um, but they really stepped up in a big spot here against, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, one of the most, if not the most dynamic wide receiver duo in the NFL so far this season. Um, Tyreek Hill ranking first in receiving yards per game and first in explosive pass plays. Waddle eighth in both those respective categories as well. And the Chargers secondary was able to hold, you know, Tyreek Hill to four catches for 81 yards, which you look at it, it's like, oh, 20 yards a catch. Well, actually, uh, he had 60 of those yards on one play. Um, one defender fell one time and that's what Tyreek Hill is going to do. So the fact that they held him for the rest of the game outside of that one play to three catches for 21 yards is absolutely outstanding. Jalen Waddle felt invisible for the whole game. Uh, you didn't really hear his name called much, um, only had two catches for 31 yards in this one. This is, this was a, a Dolphins offense averaging almost 300 yards per game passing, um, held them to just 145 yards in this game on route to, you know, a really key win here for the chargers. Um, keeps them right in the thick of things in the AFC playoff picture and, uh, you know, really puts them in position to, to get in the playoffs. And, and I know they hope to make a run. So this was a big spot for them and, uh, the Chargers secondary really got it done. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about the Chargers uh, a bit more later in the show, but that is a team I would not want to face uh, in the playoffs. That is for sure. Justin Herbert, so dangerous. Those receivers are getting healthy. I mean, you just talked about the secondary when they're uh, healthy and performing. Uh, not a team I would want to face at all. No, absolutely not. And, and you know, if they do happen to sneak into the seventh seed, um, that, that two seed is going to be in for, for a tough day. And one of those teams – that could be the two seed as we move into talking about week 15 here. Jonah is the Buffalo Bills. They do currently sit at the number one seed in the AFC. And they're going to need some wins to, to secure that with Kansas City right on their tail. This week, they do welcome the Miami Dolphins into Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo sitting at seven-point favorites over under 43.5 as we dive in here. Uh, sit here, what is it, Thursday afternoon. This, uh, you know, is a battle at the top of the AFC. The, the, the Bills have opened up a little bit of a lead at the division um, and can virtually lock up the division with this win. Uh, Miami is fighting to stay in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, just one game now ahead of the Pats, aforementioned Chargers, and the New York Jets. Uh, this is a rematch of a Week 3 game in which we saw one of the most, perhaps the most uh, statistical anomaly type of games. Uh, the Bills outgained the Miami Dolphins 497 to 212 and controlled the ball for over 40 minutes. And yet, weird things happen in the NFL. There were weird heat stroke conditions on the field and Miami somehow only controlling the ball for 19 and change. 19 minutes and change came away with a 21 to 19 victory over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Buffalo enters this game ranked sixth in offensive efficiency, second in defensive efficiency. Miami at seventh in offensive efficiency, 28th in defensive efficiency. Buffalo, um, you know, statistically still one of the elite offenses the NFL has to offer. Third in yards per play, second in third down conversion percentage, fifth in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone. And they've been even uh, more potent in the red zone the last three weeks, ranking second. Uh, in red zone touchdown percentage, uh, 87.5% of the time over the past three weeks, they have punched the ball into the end zone 
uh, when they get to the red zone. However, over those same last three weeks, the Bills have only reached the red zone at the 23rd highest rate, something to monitor in this one because Miami's got a horrible defense so far this year. 26th in third down conversion percentage allowed, 26th in pass yards per game allowed, 24th in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed. So definitely a little bit vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball. However, their offense has been elite especially their passing attack this year. Uh, as I mentioned, second in yards per play, second in pass yards per game, first in yards per attempt, seventh in red zone touchdown percentage have been extremely efficient when they get down in the red area. However, the last the last three weeks, they the Miami Dolphins offense, and especially to attack by Loa, have struggled immensely. They do rank 30th in offensive efficiency, 32nd, dead last in third down conversion percentage, and 31st in percent of their drives reaching the red zone over the last three weeks. Uh, we did see some scheme changes from the Niners and Chargers that have been talked about a lot um, over these past couple weeks, taking away the middle of the field, um, and, and Tua's numbers have gone down from there. We'll see if Buffalo is able to kind of match that with their defense that has been absolutely suffocating so far this year. Seventh in yards per play allowed, third in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed, and third in turnovers forced per game. This one is looking like it's going to be a snowy one Saturday night in Buffalo. It'll be interesting to see how Miami, who runs the ball at the ninth lowest rate in the NFL, is going to deal uh, with that snow, with that cold weather. Uh, Jonah, what do you what do you see in here? What what do you like matchup wise in this one? First off, I just want to say Saturday night football. Let's go more days of the NFL. You really really love to see that. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, it, it's, uh, it's gonna be an interesting rematch. I think back to that week three game, I remember the bills absolutely just ran through the Rams and the Titans in their first two games. And Miami was like this two and O team that we didn't really know if they were for real or not yet. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it was a weird game, uh, but the dolphins ended up winning. Uh, I looked back at that box score, the dolphins touchdown scores in that game, two touchdowns by chase Edmonds, the other one by river Craycraft. Uh, there was also the butt punt in that game, if you remember that. Uh, that was interesting. But, yeah, I think the main matchup I'm looking for here is how Tua is going to handle that Bills pass rush. Uh, I know losing Von Miller started to put some question marks on the Bills and you know if this was going to be legit or not. But, I mean, we saw last week versus the Jets, Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, and crew were just absolutely dominant. They were laying blows on Mike White. And, you know, Tua obviously has had some – injury stuff going on earlier in the year. He looks healthy now, but it's going to be a tough physical matchup in the snow. Uh, like you said, the Dolphins run game hasn't been doing much. I think it's really going to come down to how many plays Tua can make and uh, if that pass rush can be a problem again for the Bills. Yeah, the Dolphins have been pretty good in pass protection so far this year, allowing just uh, the 10th most sacks. Um so been pretty good in, in pass protection, keeping to a safe overall. Um, but this is going to be a, a different type of game. This is going to really test the Dolphins, see how well-rounded they can be, especially come playoff time. Um, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna fade that in this one. I, I think I like Buffalo laying just the seven. This number has come down from the seven and a half, that key hook there. Um, and, you know, in this snow, I have I mean the Dolphins have yet to prove that they can run the ball if effectively ranking 28th in rush yards per game 23rd in yards per carry um on the other side you got this physical Buffalo rush attack featuring I mean of course Josh Allen at the at the helm of that who's not an easy guy to tackle especially once it gets cold um but then you got this multi-headed backfield right alongside him with Singletary James Cook, Zach Moss, they're going to be throwing fresh legs out there. Those guys are going to be running hard um, in the snow. I think that Buffalo is going to make this a physical ground game type of, of uh, you know, slugfest out there. And and I, I like the Bills in this spot, um, especially against this Dolphins team that, that has really struggled to run the ball. Um, but then you, you kind of look away from the numbers here. You got you know, this kind of weird revenge factor for the Bills um, intra-division matchup in which they lost the first matchup and they probably, by all accounts, should have won. Um, there are big number one seed implications here on the line for Buffalo fighting with Kansas City um, for that number one seed. And I expect, you know, Buffalo's guys to be up and ready for this one. Um, looking for a, a big win at home. Yeah, I like the Bills as well. Um, I mean, I 
seems like you know they came out at the beginning of the year they looked like you know the best team arguably the eagles too they seemed like the top two teams and obviously the chiefs have come along and look great as well but yeah i just think the snow this time of year the bills have the experience they're they're ready for their playoff run this is a perfect game for them to start and hit their stride love what the dolphins are doing i absolutely love mike mcdaniel i don't know if you saw him today at practice wearing the we want it colder shirt or whatever he's like dancing to yg I've been a McStaniel since since last year, uh, so I'm all in on Mike McDaniel. I I think the Dolphins have a ton of potential, but not not to, not on Saturday night. I, I like the Bills uh, in the cold to pull out the dub and uh, cover as well. McStaniel's. I'm gonna. We're we're definitely stealing that one. Um, but moving on anyway to a, another matchup between two teams who perhaps before the season started you wouldn't think would be in playoff contention and yet here we are heading into week 15 with the Detroit Lions taking on the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium Detroit currently as it stands right now one point favorites on the road over under 44 and a half in this one in we will see one of the NFL's best defenses get uh, another real test against one of the NFL's best passing offenses in the Detroit Lions, the Jets currently find themselves just outside the AFC playoff picture, uh, tied with the Chargers and, and Pats uh, for that third third wildcard spot. Detroit sitting a game and a half back currently of the 7-5-1 and one Giants and Commanders who, uh, you know, conveniently for both of them tied a couple of weeks ago. Um, entering this game, the New York Jets sit at 29th in offensive efficiency and 11th in defensive efficiency. Detroit sitting at 4th in offensive efficiency and 31st in defensive efficiency. The Detroit offense, you know, starting from a, a couple good performances at the beginning of the year, people were wondering if they're legit. I'm here to tell you they, they are. Um, still, through 14 weeks, ranked 6th in yards per play, ninth in 3rd down conversion percentage, and number 1 in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage sitting at 75 percent on the year the jets defense coming off an impressive performance uh, against the bills holding them to just 20 points at home where the bills do average 33 um, so although the loss for the jets a good performance again from their defense um, who do rank third in yards per play allowed fifth in pass yards per game allowed fourth in percentage of opponents drives reaching the red zone um, we will be monitoring the status of Quinn and Williams in this one, who has definitely been uh, a major contributor to the dominance of the Jets' defensive front this season so far. And, you know, the Jets' offense, um, statistically, lagging behind, for lack of a better word, um, behind the, the poor play of Zach Wilson early in the season. Uh, 29th in third down conversion percentage, 23rd in red zone touchdown per percentage. However, there has been a marked improvement over the last three weeks with Mike White at the helm, second in pass yards per game, averaging 325 pass yards per game over the last three, as well as 15th in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone. Um, that is an upgrade from 23rd on the season. They've still struggled in the red zone, uh, 30th in red zone touchdown percentage over the last three weeks. So that is something that the Jets will hope to correct. Um, as they move if they're able to get into the playoffs however if there's ever a defense to do it against it's this Detroit Lions defense ranking 32nd dead last in yards per play allowed 31st in third down conversion percentage allowed 29th in percentage of their opponents drives reaching the red zone and even when they get in the red zone they're not any better 30th in allowing their opponents to punch in those red zone chances to touchdowns this will be a very interesting matchup with a lot of playoff implications on the line. Jonah, what do you see here? Where do you see uh, some advantages in this one? It's pretty crazy. This is a playoff implication game. If you would have showed me the Week 15 slate at the beginning of the year, I would not have picked this one uh, to be up there. But, no, two like very likable teams. I love what the Lions are doing. They've won five, five of their last six. Their only loss being a three-point a home loss to the Bills on Thanksgiving. Jets, Mike White is just like, I love the guy. You know, you gotta gotta love Mike White. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Zach Wilson wasn't even dressed out as the backup the last few weeks, like literally inactive. It seems like they're just really ready to move on from him. I did see that he is getting promoted to backup uh, again. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Um, 
I really went back and forth on who to take in this one. And I think just like in terms of prop bets, I want to go more that route here. I really love, and this is like the safest pick that I think I've, I'm going to say all podcast, uh, Jamal Williams, anytime touchdown score. I mean, you said it like Detroit is just really good at pounding the ball in uh, red zone tutties. And he's been their guy. Like everyone thought DeAndre Swift was going to, you know, have that uh, kind of season where he's going to turns into a superstar and, Jamal Williams, you know, we saw that passionate speech he gave uh, in Hard Knocks where, you know, he had, he was crying, I was crying, you know, everyone was crying, um, but no, Jamal Williams has been great. Um, also, give me Bam Knight, anytime touchdown score, love me some Bam Knight. Uh, yeah, the Jets running back situation has been interesting. Once Brees Hall went down, uh, you know, they traded for James Robinson, they still have Michael Carter, who's been productive, and Bam Knight, out of nowhere, has been really great, and so... Uh, yeah, give me Jamal Williams anytime touchdown scorer and uh, Bam Knight as well. Yeah, Jamal Williams has been a, a great story um, this year. We're, we're big hard knocks folks on, on the show, um, although I can't say that, that we necessarily thought the Lions would be in this situation despite all of that preseason hype. Also, take that Bam Knight pick with a grain of salt. I think Jonah has him in fantasy. Um, however... <laughs> Uh, we do thank you for your vulnerability uh, talking about you know you crying along with Jamal in that speech. Um, this one I'm looking at is uh, you know a, a well that we have been getting water from all year and that is taking advantage of how horrible this Detroit Lions secondary has been all year. Um, 30th in both pass yards per game allowed and, and yards per attempt allowed on the season. So we're going to go right to the well. We're going to go to the top receiver for the New York Jets, the outstanding rookie Garrett Wilson, and I'm going to bet his over on receiving yards. It's been around 60 all year based on this matchup. Uh, I, I would probably expect this one to be closer to 70. I don't care who's at quarterback for the Jets. I'm still going over as long as it's not Zach Wilson. Uh, it could be Mike White. It could be Joe Flacco. I'm going over on Garrett Wilson. Um, I'm probably going to bet this alternatively also up to 100 and maybe even higher if I'm feeling a little frisky. Um, the, the, until the Lions prove that they can stop anybody, um, I'm going to keep hitting this. In the last four games, the Lions have allowed Justin Jefferson, who obviously one of the best receivers in the league, but he went for 223 yards, set a new Minnesota Vikings record um, for a single game receiving yards. So um, that's not great for the for the lions um christian kirk went for 104 yards i love christian kirk shout out um you know scott's the scottsdale kid but 104 yards for christian kirk is well above his season average when they faced buffalo they held stefan Diggs to 77 which sounds great except for that their third receiver isaiah mckenzie had 96 yards as well and when they played the new york giants four weeks ago they allowed wandale robinson uh to go for his first and only 100-yard game of the season. He has failed to reach 50 yards in any other game so far. But against this Lions, Swiss cheese secondary, he got to 100. Um, Garrett Wilson has been the go-to guy for the Jets, no matter who has been there. He leads the team with 868 receiving yards on the season. Next closest is Corey Davis uh, with 460 yards, who is currently in concussion protocol. Um questionable for Sunday. So I'm really looking at Garrett Wilson here to be targeted early and often for a lot of yards. And that's where I see the biggest advantage in this one. Yeah, I agree with uh, Garrett Wilson. Just seems like the, the right way to go there with that Detroit secondary. Um, I'm just really interested to see where the Lions can get an, another spark on offense. Uh, Sauce Gardner has been incredible for the Jets this year. Imagine him to be lined up against Amon Ross St. Brown, who's also been great this year. Um, I really, really, really want to see more Jameson Williams. I understand he's on his snap count coming off the torn ACL. Had the touchdown last week uh, in the blown coverage, but still only played 19% of offensive snaps last week. Would love to see more and more of him. Um, yeah, We haven't even talked about Jared Goff, who's playing really, really good football right now. Um, everyone kind of thought he would just kind of be the Band-Aid solution until uh, they found their future quarterback, but golf's been balling out. I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch this game, and uh, yeah, I, I would love to see both these teams in the playoffs, but I, th I think the loser here is going to have a tough path. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like, uh, you know, 
loser leaves home loser leaves town kind of game even though both these teams are probably overachieving relative to preseason expectations um all right let's move on to the next game um this is a, an extremely intriguing matchup after last week's games um we are going to go to the dallas cowboys heading out to jacksonville to face the jaguars dallas laying four and a half points uh, as the favorite on the road uh, over under 47 and a half in this one uh, this is going to be a, a matchup that features pretty drastically different results from the previous week. Uh, Dallas squeaking out a victory as 17-point favorites against the Texans, who are largely looked at um, as the worst team in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Jags absolutely cruised to a dominant road victory over the Titans as three-and-a-half-point underdogs last week. Jacksonville entering uh, this one at 17th in offensive efficiency, 23rd in defensive efficiency. Dallas has been dominant all year on both sides of the ball. They rank fifth in offensive efficiency and sixth in defensive efficiency. Uh, Trevor Lawrence coming off uh, a couple of good performances has definitely shown some flashes of, of that greatness. They were hoping to get taking him at number one this season, leading a Jaguars offense uh, that ranks 11th in pass yards per game, ninth in explosive pass plays, and fourth in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone, uh, being able to move that ball efficiently through the air all season. Um, and, and, you know, We'd be remiss to not mention Travis Etienne and uh, the solid start to the season that he had. Uh, they do have, however, an extremely tough matchup against an elite Dallas defense um, featuring Micah Parsons um, up front. They do um, rank seventh and third down, or excuse me, fourth in yards per play, fifth in third down conversion percentage allowed, second in sacks per game. And they've, you know, over the last three weeks have actually shown a slight weakness in the red zone, uh, ranking 24th in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone. Um, so something to definitely watch with this Dallas defense going down the stretch. Um, but on the other side of the ball for the Cowboys, especially since Dak Prescott has been back, um, they've been excellent and a great compliment to their defense. They rank seventh in third down conversion percentage, seventh in rush yards per game and third in red zone touchdown percentage behind that dual threat in the backfield of Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Their offensive line, Dallas's, that is, allows the fewest sacks per game in the NFL. Jacksonville defense on the other side has been very vulnerable in the passing game, ranking 27th in pass yards per game allowed on the season. They also rank 29th in convert, third down conversion percentage allowed and 26th in both percentage of opponents' drives reaching the red zone and opponent red zone touchdown percentage. This is an interesting uh, interesting buy low, sell high opportunity here um, with the Cowboys being uh, probably just you know just four, four and a half point favorites against the five and eight Jaguars in this spot. Um, some may say the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC despite uh, not even being the best record in their division. I don't think that. Some think that. Jonah, what do you see in this one? What, what do you like here? Really, really, really interesting game. Uh, the Jaguars. Like, I feel like every team in the NFL, we kind of know like the team's identity and like what they are. The Jaguars. We're here in Week 15. I still have absolutely like no clue what this team is. Like, they have looked so good some games where Trevor Lawrence looks like an All-Pro caliber quarterback, and then some games they have just been miserable. Um, I kind of I think I agree with you. I, I like buying low on the Cowboys here and selling high on the Jags. Uh, I Jags seem to have been pretty good at home this year. I just think it's going to come down if we're going to get good Trevor Lawrence or bad Trevor Lawrence. I think that's going to decide the difference in this game. Um, you mentioned Travis Etienne. Where has he been the last four weeks? He has not produced anything. Uh, you know, after they traded James Robinson, we thought you know he would get so much more action back there and yeah the Jags run game has not been good at all and yeah I mean the receiving core Evan Ingram with a career game last week got a nowhere start him in fantasy not to brag um but uh yeah no th these Jags receivers they they spent all this money in the offseason on Evan Ingram uh Christian Kirk and Zay Jones I, th I think they're still missing that kind of alpha go-to dog that they should try to get in the offseason but um yeah we'll see uh how it goes from there i where i'm gonna go on this game uh i think i like the over of 48 i think this will be a high scoring affair um like you said i 
D- Dallas has been really good defensively, but I like the way the Jags are playing right now. Um, I expect a lot of points in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, both these offenses have shown the ability to kind of light it up on any given night. Um, ETN has been struggling, and I think that that an under on his rushing prop could be interesting in this spot, especially if the game script um, goes in the way that a lot of people think it could, which is Dallas going out to an early lead, running the ball, limited touches on the other side for for a Jacksonville offense that really wants to to throw it anyway. Um, so if that is the case, I think that especially against a tough rush defense in uh, Dallas, um, that that could be a, a good spot to to hit ETN. But where I'm really going with this one is I'm I'm laying the points with Dallas. I know this is a weird spot, um, but I think that this line being at four and a half, they're coming off being 17 and a half point favorites. The Jaguars played great last week, but but they're still the Jaguars. They are five and eight. They're just as due for uh, you know scoring six points as they are 36 like they did last week um i'm i feel like this number is buying dallas at their absolute lowest that they're going to be all season and jacksonville at their absolute highest um just two weeks ago week 13 that's not that far um you know that's not that long ago the jags got blown out by the lions they lost 40 to 14 they never were in that game from the very beginning and the cowboys hung 33 in the fourth quarter alone on the colts in a convincing win uh, um, at home given but still 33 points in a quarter is nothing to scoff at i trust that you know the cowboys may have just kind of looked ahead of the texans i think they'll be up and ready for this one uh they can clinch a playoff berth with a win here um, in Jacksonville. So I'm looking for, for them to, to put on a show here and, uh, you know, gain some momentum heading into the playoffs. Uh, the others, you know, play I'm looking at here with the Cowboys um, are Zeke and or whatever you're feeling, Tony Pollard, anytime touchdown scores. Uh, they both are tied for seventh in the NFL currently with nine rushing touchdowns each. Jacksonville giving up the eighth most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. And Dallas love to run the ball in the red zone. They have 19 passing touchdowns to 21 rushing touchdowns on the season. And the Jags rank 26th in the opponent red zone touchdown percentage. I think that if the Cowboys can move it to the red zone, they're going to run it. They're going to be successful and score Zeke Pollard anytime. I like it. Yeah, I want to see uh, if the Cowboys can force some turnovers, get the ball to Trevor Lawrence's hands, let Dak manage the game, feed Tony Pollard. Love what Tony Pollard's doing. Zeke's playing some good ball too. But uh, yeah, no, I like it. And uh, yeah, don't remember if I said this or not, but I like the Travis Etienne under as well. This will be a fun one. First week of uh, fantasy playoffs. I'm sure there will be a lot of eyes on this one as well as the next game we're going to talk about between the Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Chargers out in LA at SoFi Stadium. Chargers three-point favorites at home, over under 47.5 in this one. Uh, two teams here on the brink of playoff contention. Uh, Chargers tied with the Pats and Jets for the third AFC wildcard spot, sitting at 7-6 and six currently. And the Titans, who maybe shouldn't be on the brink of playoff contention, but after a few losses in a row, sit with just a two-game lead over the Jaguars in the AFC South. Uh, Chargers coming off a big Sunday Night Football win over the Dolphins, which we talked about a little bit earlier, as well as the Titans, um, as I mentioned, losing three in a row, uh, two games at home, and now you know, two losses of those at home, and now they have to travel for, uh, all the way to the West Coast, the Pacific time zone, for the first time of this season. The Chargers rank 14th in offensive efficiency, 14th in defensive efficiency, Tennessee heading into this one sitting at 18th in offensive efficiency and 12th in defensive efficiency. Um, the Chargers offense appears to, you know, pose a significant mismatch for the Titans defense. Titans great. Titans defense great against the rush. Third in rush yards per game allowed. Second in yards per carry allowed. However, the Chargers run the ball at just the second lowest rate in the NFL um, on the, you know, the other aspect of the game there for Tennessee in the passing game has they they've been pretty bad. Thirty first in pass yards per game allowed um, on defense. Twenty fifth in yards per attempt allowed. 29th in explosive pass plays allowed. They have given up an average of three hundred forty seven pass yards per game over the last three weeks, and uh, they're staring down a Chargers offense that does 
boast one of the best passing attacks uh, in the NFL, now back at full strength with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, they rank fourth in pass yards per game, third in explosive pass plays. And um, over the last three weeks, the Chargers have been first in both of those respective categories. On the other side of the ball, um, you got the Tennessee rushing offense behind King Henry, Derrick Henry, um, but they have been declining um, at a time in the season where they usually thrive, um, down to just 16th in rush yards per game, averaging just 93 yards per game over the last three weeks, um, well below their season average of 122. They are 25th in third down conversion percentage, 29th in pass yards per game, and 25th in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone. Their saving grace on offense all year has been their red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, they led the league for most of the year, now currently sitting at 6th after a rough few weeks for the Titans offense. Um, the Chargers defense has been a huge step up from last year. Um, they they still you know ha have their flaws, ranked 29th in yards per play allowed, 24th in third down conversion percentage allowed. However, um, they are sixth in uh, red zone touchdown percentage um, for their opponents allowed. So an interesting one here. Both teams definitely have, uh, you know, greater hopes than just making the playoffs. We talked about the Chargers a little bit earlier. Definitely a team you don't necessarily want to see if you're a higher seed in the AFC. But they got to face the Titans first. Jonah, what do you see here matchup-wise? What, what do you like in this one? I absolutely love the Chargers in this one. Uh, the Titans, to me, are just that team that they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but they don't beat the... I wouldn't even call the Chargers in the really good category. It just doesn't feel like a game that the Titans are going to win. Uh, looking at the teams that the Titans have beaten this year, home against the Raiders, at the Colts, at the Commanders, that's a good win. Home against the Colts, at the Texans, home against the Broncos, at Green Bay. There's nothing there that screams... Uh, excitement to me that they're going to come in here and do that they're just missing a lot of offensive firepower uh henry's obviously a beast and does what he does but i'm i mean man losing aj brown has just really really taken a toll on this offense they drafted Traylon burks who's had injury problems uh since training camp and i think it was a big ask of him to be the number one guy as a rookie obviously they brought in robert woods uh making his return to la uh, here uh, for this week, but no, the Titans, they've lost three in a row. I think they're trending the wrong way. They're probably still going to be a playoff team, but uh, I absolutely love the Chargers in this one. Love the Herbert over uh, for everything. Like you said, those receivers are healthy. You heard about the Titans secondary uh, just not being great. Um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, the Titans tight end. Uh, I can't even pronounce the, the dude's name. Ch Chikizem Okonkwo. Um, he, he's playing really good ball. They they're feeding they feed him a lot. Um, they ha they like hand it off to him with rush plays. He scored last week. Um, he's a guy that I like for the rest of this year and could be a factor next year. Uh, someone to buy stock in right now. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is gonna be all Chargers. I absolutely love the Chargers. And if you like teasers, I think it's a good uh throw the Chargers in a teaser, get them with some plus money. Uh, I can't see the Titans uh, winning this game, especially by more any more than like three points. Yeah, very interesting. Um, this one to me screams field goal game. Um, you're buying the, the Chargers coming off a big win here against Miami. T Titans struggling to find anything that works over the past three weeks. But this is a Mike Vrabel coach team. This is a, you know, Vrabel coming from the Belichick legacy team struggling, heading into the playoffs. Um, you know, you'd think that it would be nearly impossible to blow this division lead here in the AFC South, which has been lackluster at best with the Jaguars sitting in second place. I, I see a game where there are matchups that can be exploited on both sides of the ball. And I'll start with the Tennessee Titans um, and Derrick Henry, the king. And his rushing yards over. This is getting to the time of the year. Um, obviously, this one being played in LA doesn't really apply cold weather wise. But um, you know, as the season goes on, as as defensive players wear and tear, you got this guy Derrick Henry just trying to bull rush you. Uh, he's not an easy guy to tackle. 
Um, and, you know, the Chargers have struggled to tackle just about everybody they've faced this year, ranking 27th in rush yards per game allowed, 32nd dead last in yards per carry allowed on the season. I think that this is a game where the game plan for the Titans has to be running the ball, chewing the clock, feeding Henry, trusting your guy, your workhorse back in order to keep the dynamic Chargers passing offense off the field. Um, you saw some signs of life from Derrick Henry uh, last week against Jacksonville um, with, with a good performance following 38 and 30 yard performances against the Bengals and Eagles, two very good rushing defenses. The Chargers, not a very good rushing defense. I think that this is a spot uh, to play the Henry over. Um, I think the Titans need it if they want any chance in this game. And I think the Chargers uh, rush defense is a good place to get that. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, we talked about how bad the Titans secondary has been this year. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at Justin Herbert over passing yards, and I'm looking at Keenan Allen over on receptions. Um, since Keenan Allen has been back uh, the past three games, Justin Herbert has had 367 pass yards, 335, and 274. Um, you know, th- this is a spot Tennessee very very good against the rush. Um, very, very bad against the pass. I don't even think that the Chargers mess with the run game. I think they trust Herbert, uh, put it in his hands, and let let him, you know, let him sling it like he was, uh, you know, born to do. So I like Herbert's passing yards over, and uh, with that kind of comes Keenan Allen. And I'm going to go receptions with, with Allen. Um, you can just kind of tell how much Herbert really trusts and relies on on Allen when he's in the lineup. Uh, 14 targets in the past two weeks, uh, six receptions in his first matchup back. It seemed like there was a little bit of rust um, that got kicked off before that second matchup last week when he had 12 receptions against the Dolphins. Um, kind of felt a little out of sync, felt like they got that, that connection back between Herbert and Allen against uh, the Dolphins last week. So I'm going to go over on Allen receptions. I expect them to be throwing it early and often. Um, that's where the Titans are, are weak, and I expect Allen, or excuse me, I expect Herbert to be able to to sling it all around on on this defense. I don't even know if we've mentioned Austin Eckler yet in this segment, but he's been so awesome. Like the guy, I think he's been the number one fantasy player this year. But even fantasy football side, real football, he's just the man. He gets the ball. He scores. He's just, he's a good guy. Um, Love Austin Eckler. Let's throw an Austin Eckler uh, anytime touchdown scorer in there as well. Yeah, why not? Don't hate uh, Eckler receptions either. Uh, Herbert loves to check it down, and especially if the Titans kind of start to sit back in this one. Um, That could be a a big play there. Uh, Shout out David Artsy Um, and Mr. Austin Eckler. Um, But we will move on from this game to our uh, final matchup that we will talk about here for the week 15 preview. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers six and seven division leading Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Cincinnati three and a half point favorites on the road over under 43 and a half in this one. And Tampa Bay kind of continues their limp towards the NFC South title um, as they take on the surging Cincinnati Bengals who look like they are back at least near their Super Bowl form from last year. Bengals coming off of five straight victories, find themselves with a two-game cushion inside of the AFC wildcard picture. Tampa Bay 20th in offensive efficiency, 15th in defensive efficiency, Cincinnati third in offensive efficiency, and seventh in defensive efficiency. Tampa Bay Buccaneers will start on the offensive side of the ball where they sport the worst rushing attack in football, both by volume and effectiveness. Um, Not only running the ball at the lowest rate in the league and ranking dead last in rush yards per game and yards per carry, um, but they do rank 25th in yards per play overall, 24th in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone, and second in sacks allowed per game. That's been their uh, one bright spot is the offensive line. And, you know, a lot of this has, has been Brady getting the ball out quickly and, and being Tom Brady avoiding avoiding those hits. 
Um, on the other side of the ball, the Bengals defense been a huge part of their success um, over the recent weeks. Tenth in rush yards per game allowed, sixth in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed. They have struggled against the pass over the past three weeks. Maybe not the recipe here against the Bucks. Twenty um, fourth in pass yards per game allowed. Twenty eighth in percentage of opponents drives reaching the red zone. Uh, this does include a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are in a different stratosphere offensively than anybody else in the league. So. That's going to happen when you face the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, speaking of great offenses, we're, we're right here with the Bengals. Um, third and third down conversion percentage, third in pass yards per game, fourth in red zone touchdown percentage. This offense is absolutely humming. Um, it will, you know, we will be monitoring the status of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, who both left last week's game early. However, they have both practiced the past two days, at least in a limited capacity, and are both expected to play. Tampa Bay's defense has been the only thing keeping them afloat so far this season. 10th in yards per play allowed, 9th and 3rd down conversion percentage allowed, 6th in percentage of opponent drives reaching the red zone. They've struggled to create turnovers, uh, ranked 25th in the NFL, forcing fewer than one turnover per game on average. This is a, a big spot for both these teams. Cincinnati looking to keep this late season momentum up uh, and secure an AFC playoff spot. Um, they also have a shot at the division with, uh, you know, with uh, Lamar Jackson out currently and just just sit a game behind the, the Ravens at this point. And Tampa Bay hoping that their defense can keep them in another game yet again this season. Um they're trying to, you know, sneak out a couple wins in a division that eight and nine is probably looking like it's going to be good enough to get you in the playoffs if you're in the NFC South. That's not asking for very much. Um, this is an interesting one. Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. What do you see here, Jonah? What do you like? You know, this is one of those games that every year it feels like these Brady teams, we're not really sure how they're going to look. And then like, it's like week 15, 16 Brady flips the switch, turns it on and then goes on his playoff run. Um, in previous years, is, this would be that game. It would feel like that, but this Bucks team just doesn't look good. Like they really, really haven't looked good in any game in America since week one, they look good in the Germany game against Seattle. Give them that. Um, but no, oh, in all seriousness, like they just really aren't playing good football. Uh, Evans hasn't done anything recently. Godwin just hasn't really seemed right all year uh, when he was hurt in the preseason. They brought in Julio Jones, who's been disappointing. Leonard Fournette hasn't been a factor. Uh, and the Bengals, similarly to the Bills, just seem to be hitting their stride at the right time. Love what Joe Burrow is doing right now. Um, those receivers do need to get healthy, but they, he's got Jamar Chase back. Joe Mixon's back. Samaji P. Ryan had a great game when Mixon went down. Like the Bengals, after that run last year, like they have the experience now. And uh, I absolutely love the Bengals in this game. Uh, I was I was listening to Bill Simmons guess the lines. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about rival podcasts <laughs> on here, but uh, no, he was shocked that the line was this low uh, when it came out. He said he was saying how he absolutely loves the Bengals, and I agree with him too. Uh, yeah, Bill, if you're listening to this, uh, I do not yet consider your podcast a rival, but I, I would love to to say that that is the case one day. Um, Jonah, I'm right with you on this one. I absolutely love the Bengals in this spot. Um, I mean, you laid it out. The the, the Bucks just aren't good. Um, their offense is extremely one-dimensional. They have the worst rushing attack in the league. Uh, you know, Higgins and Boyd look like they're both heading back, and with, with them two and Chase all in the lineup, the Bengals' offense has virtually looked unstoppable, even going back to last season. This Bengals defense is, I don't want to say surprisingly solid, but like people focus a lot on this offense. This defense has been absolutely awesome this year so far. Um, and like you said, they're, they're peaking at the right time. This feels like a game where uh, the Bucks are going to have to try and keep pace with the Bengals offense who hasn't really been able to be stopped by really anyone um, with that tandem of receivers in, in the in the lineup and I don't know that they can I haven't seen it yet to this point a lot of the Bucks wins this year have come when they they trail and Brady puts together a miracle drive at the end of the game um, I just don't see them being able to come back against this Cincinnati offense that is so dynamic um, Tampa Bay also it is worth noting 
looks like they're going to be without Tristan Wirfs this week, who has been one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL to this point in protecting Brady. Now the Bengals don't necessarily have, you know, the most dangerous pass rush of anybody, especially with, uh, again, it looks like Trey Hendrickson is going to be out in this one, but you know, not having Tristan Wirfs could, could prove very, uh, detrimental to this Bucks passing offense that is highly dependent on uh you know Brady dropping back and throwing I'm worried in this spot that this feels like a public road favorite and that's not typically the best you know spots but I, I just think there's a lot of people struggling to admit to themselves that the Bucks stink um and I think I'm ready to do so and lay the number with the Bengals here no, you hit it right in the head. Uh, if Brady can't do it now, do it this week. I mean, like I said, probably still going to make the playoffs. And I don't know. I I would love to face the Bucs uh, in the playoffs if I was an NFC team. And I've literally never said about that, about any Tom Brady quarterback uh, team ever. Um, but, yeah, it's a new era. It's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, no, like I said, love the Bengals. So as it stands right now, I believe it would be the Dallas Cowboys heading to Tampa Bay. And boy, is that a horrible matchup for the Bucs. Yeah, no, I, if that's probably the way it's going to end up. I mean, I, I think Dallas is pretty much locked up that top wild card, everything but lo- actually locked up. And I mean, obviously, an NFC South team is going to be uh, the four seed. So yeah, that, I, that always happens. I swear every time that like the worst division team that like comes in at like 500. It seems like they always win that game. I think back like the Marshawn Lynch beat uh, beast quake game. There's another one a few years ago that I'm blanking on, but uh, yeah, no, I would absolutely love Dallas in that one. Jonah, I got a quick question for you here. Do you think we're talking NFC South teams here? Do you think that the Panthers might have a better chance to beat the Cowboys than the Bucks? I would actually no. Who are we kidding? Come on, it's Tom Brady. I as much as I gave, I'm like going against everything I said on this podcast, like giving my flowers to the Panthers, and then like, like I I love what the Panthers are doing, but like if you're talking about like who's gonna go win you a playoff game, and it's Sam Darnold or Tom Brady, like I I I just like can't like say Sam Darnold. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I would still go uh, with the Bucks. However, I do hope the Panthers make it over the Bucks. I think that'd be like a much better storyline. You didn't fall for the trap uh, that I that I laid out for you there. Uh, that was good stuff. Um, Jonah, thanks for coming on. This was a great time. Shout out Josh Kravitz, Red 18. Um, here's to another great week of football. And uh, prayers up to uh, Kyler Murray. Get well soon, brother.